Do you feel the change happening? When he steps into a room, nothing can remain the same. Fear has to bow. It's why if you walked in feeling fearful today, it's gone. Jesus changes everything. Everything. When he walks in a room, the atmosphere changes as it should change. Worry and doubt have to go out the window because Jesus is here and we know everything is going to be all right. Just his presence being in the room makes all the difference. That's why we have to carry his presence with us wherever we go and whoever we interact with so they feel that peace when they're around us. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. I feel like today we could title this whole day as a call to action. Through Sister Janae's teaching, and if you did not hear that, I'm asking you to go online and hear the teaching from today. It will change your life, and that's what the Word should do. But the Lord, this is, I'm just going to be real frank and honest with you. This is what the Lord would want today. For us to forget about what's happening after church. For us to not think about all the things that we have to do to get ready for the week and all those things. What the Lord would like for us to do is to bring our focus in and hear what he has to say today. The Bible says the preaching of the word is foolishness to some. Cause it the foolishness of preaching because it doesn't make sense to the ears of the world that you could just hear someone's words you could just hear someone quote his word and you walk out the door a different person that makes no sense to the world but to us who know the power of God who know the power of this word it is a life changing word and that's what he wants to do today but we're going to have to participate in his word. So I'm asking for your undivided attention today. The details were not made clear, although the evidence speaks volumes. Was it abuse? Did a horrible event put her in this state of mind? No one knows. Because we were not told. The evidence only shows us, along with bits and pieces of the story, that there was a desperate need to be noticed, to be wanted, and to be loved. One can only imagine all the different hairstyles she went through to be attractive. All of the ways she acted over the years looking for love. 
More than likely, she was an attractive lady on the outside. But she was hollow and she was empty on the inside. Her beauty had attracted several men over the years. And I can't help but think that as she walked to the well that day, that maybe she was wondering, I hope this one stays. I hope I can change enough to make him happy. I hope I can stay attractive enough to keep him around. I hope he asks me to marry him soon. Honestly, there's really no telling where her tortured mind was when she met another man. Obviously, he was from out of town. He was a Jew. She was probably fearful of even approaching the well, but she had to get some water, so she proceeded. He was looking at her. Well, that's nothing new. There's no telling what he's going to say, just like all the rest. The conversation started out okay because he just wanted water. Normally, that wouldn't have startled her. But because she was marked by society as the lowest class, it took her back that he would even speak to her. But while all the other men saw only her outward beauty, Jesus was attracted to her emptiness. He was attracted to her pain and the torment of her mind. He had came on purpose to fill the empty void that had been inside this woman's heart nearly her whole life. John 4, 13 through, 9, through 15 says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water in the well shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman, the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. There's something called the law of attraction. The encyclopedia definition is the ability to attract, to attract into your life whatever you focus on. Now the Bible talks a lot about our thoughts and keeping our thoughts right and protecting them, thinking on good things. I am not going to talk about the world's idea of the law of attraction, where you think it and it comes to you. I want to talk to us for a few minutes today about God's law of attraction. What attracts God to you and I? What draws him to us? The Bible has many spiritual laws. Laws such as you reap what you sow. Judge not and you won't be judged. If you're merciful, you're going to get mercy back and many other spiritual laws. We know that these laws are set. They're not going to change. We don't want them to change. This law of God's law of attraction 
that I'm referring to is quite a bit different than the world, as all his ways are. There are literally billions of dollars spent every year on everything from cosmetics to hair products to surgical procedures, expensive clothing, expensive shoes, accessories, on and on it goes, all for the purpose of attraction. I remember when I was selling Arbonne, they were shocked that someone could get to the top of the company and not promote any of the makeup. I sold the skincare products, the face wash and all of that stuff, the shampoo and, and became a vice president in the company doing that. I went to a meeting of all vice presidents and regional vice presidents and they had me stand up and they said, this is the one I've told you about. She's made it to the top and never sells makeup. <laughs> they couldn't believe it. But I was told in several of those meetings that people will go without heating. They'll go without air conditioning. They'll go without food, but they won't go without makeup. It's a billion and trillion dollar business. We all know what it means in worldly terms to be attractive or to attract attention to oneself. You know how it is. I think we've all participated in it as a single person trying to attract attention. We spend a lot of time on looking good, thinking maybe Mr. Wright is going to show up at this event. <laughs> it happens within and without the church. I tell you right now, though, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for our young ladies and young men that they look awesome, but they don't look worldly. They look modest. They don't look worldly. They attract the attention of the right people. <laughs> Those who are looking for someone godly. It's a beautiful thing to go to our conferences and see these people dress the way that they dressed. In the thinking of the world, it is like this. Do whatever you can do to attract attention. Dress provocative. Do whatever you can do to get attention. Go all out. Wear the shortest thing you can find and the tightest thing that you can find. The most revealing. Whatever it takes to attract attention. It definitely attracts attention. It's just that they find out later it wasn't the attention they really needed after all. It's not always physical attraction that people are seeking for. Many times people are trying to just get people to see things their way because they're right and everybody else is wrong. People post views on social media so everyone will know how I feel. And be at ease. I'm not on Facebook. I have no idea what you post. And that's why I'm not on there. So I can preach with liberty. They want it known how right they are and how wrong everyone else is. I'm going to ask a question. Who is that attracting? If there's no concrete truth, if it's just an opinion... And it brings division, then why post it? Why say it? 
Why bring division? There's enough division in this world. We don't need any more. And if you're representing Jesus Christ, the last thing you need to be doing is bringing division. Now, it's one thing to speak truth. It's another thing to speak an opinion. Just be aware. You are the light of the world. He was the light. Now that light is inside of us. He said, ye are the light of the world. A city sat on a hill. You can't be hid. So when you post something, people really pay attention to it because, oh, they're the light of the world. And it needs to be. What would Jesus say? That's always a good thing to ask. God is not attracted to division. He is attracted to unity. For the sake of unity, we need to admit that we really don't know it all. We are not the expert on anything. That's called pride, and that does not attract God. (laughs) He stays way away from that. So what does attract God's attention? I'm going to list a few of these things. You could probably think of so many more. But thankfulness is one thing that gets God's attention. We read the story of the woman with the alabaster box in Matthew 26. She was so thankful, so full of thanksgiving and gratefulness to Jesus and all that he had done for her. She's one of those crazy people. She did not care what anybody thought. She took the most expensive thing she could find in her house And she went and found Jesus. And she did not care what it cost her or what anybody in the room was thinking. She was set in her mind, I just got to say thank you. And this is the best way I know how to do it. So she took that expensive box of ointment that could have been sold and fed so many poor people. But her mind was on, I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to say thank you in any way that I can. So she took the box. She broke it. She poured the oil up on his feet. She did not care who was in the room. She did not care what they thought of her. And Jesus said this of her. Wherever the gospel is preached over the whole world, let this be said as a memorial unto her he was attracted to her thanksgiving in Luke 17 when Jesus healed the 10 lepers and only one came back to give thanks the Bible says he glorified God with a loud voice and he fell down on his face at the feet of Jesus to give him thanks he didn't care about the other nine He wasn't concerned about the other nine. What he was concerned about is I need to thank Jesus. Well, it was so attracting to Jesus that he turned around and said, you are made whole. In other words, he restored him. Whatever leprosy had taken from his body, his nose grew back or his arm grew back. Whatever it was, he was made whole. Our thankfulness attracts the attention of God. Oh, I hope we never forget all that he's done for us. (laughs) Their thankfulness was out 
of the box, so to speak. It was out of the ordinary, and it got the attention of Jesus. Repentance, as we heard about today, attracts God toward you. Psalm 34 and 18, the Lord is nigh. That means he is near unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. He called David a man after his own heart because he knew how to repent. And I already had that in my notes before she said that. God is drawn to those of a repentant heart. If you mess up, if you sin, don't turn away from God. Turn toward him. And I promise you, he's going to be right by your side. He is attracted to those who are of a repentant heart. Well, Sister Burke, what if I have to repent 15 times in one day for the same thing? He's going to be right there 15 times right next to you. He is nigh unto them. He is close unto them. We don't get it. We have believed lies so long of the enemy and of the guilt and the shame that come upon us when we mess up. That we really don't believe that when we mess up, he's just longing for us to come to him in repentance. But it is the truth. He is attracted to the lost. Anybody that was lost and now you're found Aren't you thankful he's attracted to the lost? Matthew 18 and 12 says, what do you think? Jesus speaking here. He said, what do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains and seek the one that is lost? Jesus will go anywhere to find the lost. There's several stories in the Bible that assure us that he is very concerned for the lost and that he seeks them out. Jesus said it, I didn't come for the saved, I came for the lost. I am beyond thankful to him that he came and found me. I do not apologize ever for my worship or anything I do that's crazy. I don't care what you think of me. I am beside myself with thanksgiving that he even thought about me. That he even gave me 85,000 chances. So you see, I'm not here for you. <laughs> I'm here for him. I don't care if it's Wednesday. I don't care if we call a revival on Fridays. I'm going to be here. Because I want him to know I'm thankful that I was lost and now I'm found. He's attracted to the helpless. Psalm 46 and 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. He's drawn to people that are helpless. That man at the pool of Bethesda, he was helpless. It was impossible for him to get to the pool and be healed for 38 years. His situation seemed helpless and hopeless. 
<laughs> but that's all it took for Jesus to show up. It does not say one thing about that man's faith. It was just his helplessness, just his hopeless situation that drew Jesus, that attracted Jesus to him. Oh, I'm so thankful. Jesus was attracted continuously to those in need. He was attracted to the blind and the lame. He was attracted to the empty and the hungry and the thirsty and to the wounded. We think if we've done something wrong, if there's something in our body that's wrong, if we've messed up, whatever it is, we think God is trying to stay away from us because he's just so ashamed of us. Just the opposite is true. If we are in need, he is so attracted to us. He doesn't want to stay away. That's why he won't leave you alone. That's why he keeps reminding you, okay, I've already talked to you about this. Stop doing it. Stop saying it. He's not going to leave you alone. He wants you saved. He is attracted to those in need. And I don't know about you, but I'm in need. I am in need of him every single day. We have it all wrong if we think that being the perfect Christian with no issues and no trouble attracts God to us. For one thing, those people don't exist. We are wrong to think that he only wants us to come to him without any mistakes, without any failures, looking perfect, acting perfect, worshiping perfect, singing perfect. We're wrong in our thinking. We lie to ourselves and we believe the lies of the enemy. God is not interested in perfect. He is attracted to those in need. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't think there's one person in this room that looks in the mirror every day and says, well, there's perfection. If I ever saw it. Nope. We all know the truth. And then there's the truth that we only know, that nobody else knows, what we look like B.C. before coffee. And that is scary. And don't talk to my husband about that. If he was attracted to those who had it all together, those walking perfectly and uprightly before him, we wouldn't have any stories in this word to read. Because <laughs> there's no perfect people in here. Except maybe Enoch, he walked with God and then he just wasn't. I guess he was so perfect he couldn't fit in here. <laughs> All of the stories we read in the word of God is God being attracted to the need. Throughout the Old Testament, they needed him and he was there. Throughout the New Testament, you read the stories over and over again. It's all about him ministering to the perfect. No, to the ones in need. He either showed up on his own because he already knew the need. Or the desperate cries for help drew him in. He is very 
attracted to the desperate. He is very attracted to the desperate cries of help. I know it. You will never tell me any different. Because when I have needed him at the most desperate times in my life, he always has showed up. When I got serious about it, when I said that is enough, I am done. When I have cried out to God in desperation, I could tell you many stories. You've already heard some of them. Timothy was, I don't know, six months, nine months old, probably about nine months old, had ear infection after ear infection after ear infection, and I was done. I know him. I don't just read this and think, oh, that's sweet. I know him. He had already healed my body so I could even have children. So I already knew him as a healer. But I got desperate. I didn't just bring Timothy up for another time of prayer like I had. I brought him up. And when the pastor came down, I looked at him and I said, I am here for his healing today. I'm done. He's like, well, then you have it. I'm like, all right, well, no need to pray. <laughs> no. He prayed, and he never had another ear infection. They were right at the point of putting tubes in his ear. You're too late to tell me he doesn't care about a baby with hearing problems. <laughs> and some of you remember the story of when Timothy and Jen's car got broke into and all the stuff got stolen. And I was at home with a migraine. And when they called, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll pray. And I hung up the phone. And I'm like, mm, I'm done. <laughs> I cannot do this. I'm not putting up with this. I'm taking my rightful place of authority that you've already given me, God. And I don't know, for some reason, I can pray like that at home, but I just like coming here. And so I begin to pray and I begin to declare and I begin to rebuke. They will have their stuff back. Devil, you're a liar. It's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. Give it back. And guess what? He did. He had to give it back. God answered that because I was desperate. And Jen and I were desperate just a couple weeks ago with Timothy with this COVID pneumonia. Why is it always Timothy? Wow, he needs a lot of prayer. He's wearing me out. <laughs> Maybe he just wants the attention. <laughs> So we got desperate. We took our rightful place of authority and said, no, we're not putting up with this. I'm not having my kid on a ventilator. No. <laughs> and God heard the desperate cry. It wasn't. I seriously thought, and I told you this, and I apologize for repeating it. I came and I sat on that back pew, and I was brokenhearted. Because, you know, our minds go everywhere. We've seen a lot of things with COVID. So I was going to sit on that back pew and just cry. Jesus, why are you letting this happen? I'm, and I sat there. And before I could even cry, I looked around. I was like, you are awesome. <laughs> I said, I know you. I know you. And I know who you are. And I know you as a healer. And I just began to declare what the word of God tells me with your stripes I'm already healed he's already healed 
And we took our rightful place of authority. And he woke up the next day with no fever, no migraine. So they would know his lungs are starting to have some trouble here. God answers the cry of the desperate. Here's the problem. We don't get desperate often enough. We're just thinking, well, if we're just faithful, we just keep praying, and we just, you know, keep believing. All of that is good. But I'm telling you, if you want to change, it's all throughout the word of God. When they cried out to Jesus with a loud cry, he responded. He is attracted to the desperate. He heard the cries of his people Israel and delivered them from Egypt in a miraculous way. He heard the cries of Hannah who desperately wanted a child and God answered. She was not acting right. You don't act right when you're desperate. You probably did not want to be here when I was here praying because you'd be like, she is nuts. I'm leaving. He heard the many cries of David's repentant heart and he forgave him every time. He heard the cry from Peter who began to sink, who took a step of faith and then started kind of wavering in his faith. But Jesus heard his cry and he saved him. He heard Stephen's cry to forgive those who were stoning him. He heard the cries of those who were possessed with demons that could not get out of their situation. He heard their cries and he came to them and he delivered them. And here we are, sitting in our pew, looking so good, putting on our best Sunday smile, trying to raise our hands while our minds are being tormented and our hearts are aching fiercely. Our perfectness does not attract God to our needs. It's our desperation that attracts him. How tired are you of it? How tired are you of it? How tired are you of things being the same and your family not being saved? How desperate are we, church? I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me. How desperate are we to see the prophecy fulfilled that this balcony will be full? We avoid the altar because we don't want to be embarrassed. And we don't want people to think that we actually have a need. And we go home to our situations and they haven't changed. And we wonder why they haven't changed. We have been given ample opportunity. For the preacher, it's embarrassing to beg you to come to the altar. I would think... That we would want a change so bad that you could not keep us from the altar. Somebody needs to get rid of doubt. Somebody needs to get reasoning out of your mind. Pride out of your life. Self-pity be gone. And any other obstacle of distraction. And do what it takes to move God in your direction and toward your need 
I believe the closer the relationship we have with God, the stronger our love is for him and the less we care what everybody else thinks. When David danced before the Lord, he completely embarrassed his wife. But did that stop him? No, it didn't. You know why? Because he knew God. He had a relationship with God. He knew how to get God's attention. Praise and worship attracts God. As a matter of fact, that's where he lives. He inhabits. He lives in the praises of his people. There's no faster way to get him to come into your situation than to begin to praise him. But everything is wrong. Nothing is right. Everything's going wrong. How can I praise him? That's when you praise him. That's because praise releases faith. And God is so attracted to faith. If we need God to intervene in any situation, just begin to praise him. Like it's already been taken care of. Like you already see the victory. God, open our spiritual eyes to see the victory is already won. And that kind of praise will attract God so quickly that you will wonder why you ever doubted. Because he's already got it. If we could see past this moment, if we could see past what we're seeing with our eyes and our families and our lost loved ones, if we could look through the eyes of the Spirit today, we would see the battle's already won. The battle's already won. The battle's already won. I'm already victorious. It's already happening in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our praise and our worship attracts God. I dare you to raise your hands and praise God for something that has not happened yet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, see it with your eyes. See it with your spiritual eyes today. The battle is already won. You've taken it to God in prayer. You have prayed the prayer of faith over and over and over again over the same thing. And now it's time to praise him for it. For every one of your lost loved ones. I speak to you. It is not hopeless. It is not helpless. God is still on the throne. And he is still in control.
Do you believe it? Do you believe it? You've already prayed about it. You've already sought his face about it. You've asked him over and over again. Now, now it's time to believe. Now it's time to believe. Now it's time to believe. You're praising him in faith and that faith is attracting God to your situation. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you only knew that God would step in if you worshiped him, would you do it then? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the victory, God. Thank you for the victory, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Right now, right now you are attracting the attention of God Almighty, the one that can do anything, the one that does the impossible is moving right now into your situation and he is changing things. You're saying, I trust you, God. I don't care what I see. I don't care what I feel. I trust you. I believe you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And my God is attracted to the desperate. 
Jairus' father was desperate for his daughter to be healed. The friends of the lame man were desperate and tore a hole in the roof. The Shunammite woman was blessed with a son and he died. She didn't care what anybody thought. She got on a donkey and rode as fast as she could to the prophet. Even though her promise was already dead. She did not allow what she saw to stop her from what she wanted and what she believed for. It's that kind of desperation, that kind of faith that attracts God. Our faith moves God. It's moving him right now. Faith attracts God. But when you take faith and you put some works with it, you talk about a spiritual law of attraction. God will not stay away when you not only grab a hold of faith, but you take some steps to put with that faith. It's people that step out and don't care what anybody else think. And they take a step of faith and they put some works with it. They get their prayers answered. They have the testimonies to talk about. They don't care what anybody else thinks. There's no room for pride in the kingdom of God. We've got to get rid of pride. Forget about what everybody else thinks. And for once, what do you think, God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know there are some desperate situations here today. Some absolutely must have God to step in or else. Jesus is coming and our families are lost. What are we doing to attract God to that situation? Is it working? Is our normal routine working? If you're not seeing a change, then it's not working. Maybe we need to act crazy like Zacchaeus and climb up in a tree. Anything I can do to get to you, Jesus. Anything I can do to... Maybe we need to crawl through the crowd like the woman with the issue of blood. Embarrass ourselves if we have to. But we must get to Jesus. Because he's attracted to that kind of faith. He said everywhere the gospel is preached, they're going to talk about this crazy woman who when it doesn't make any sense at all, she worshipped the Lord. She did not care what anybody else thought. As your faith is today, so be it unto you. So be it unto you. In the name of Jesus. Anybody else want to step out in faith today? Faith in God. Faith in God. According to your faith, be it unto you. Be it.
get onto this body in the name of Jesus. She trusts you, God. She believes you, God. She has acted in faith today, God. Be it unto her right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for it, God. I thank you for it, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just a simple act of faith. Just a simple act of obedience. Whatever he's asking, we need to do it. Whatever he's asking, we need to do it. You never know what that obedience will do. You may get home today and everything be changed. Don't worry about everybody else. He may be asking you to do something completely different. Just do it because obedience attracts God. Yeah, yeah. Landmark, it's time for us to have a breakthrough. It's time for us to get out of the box. It's time for us to do whatever we have to do to get God's attention. Yeah, yeah. Some things come only by prayer and coupled with fasting. If he's talked to you about fasting, then do it. It attracts God when you obey him. Some things, he said, there are some things that you can't just pray about. You got to put your flesh down as well. You got to bring these two things together. And when you do it, God will be at your side and you will see the miraculous happen. If the Lord is speaking to you about going to pray for somebody else, then get up and go to it. Just be obedient to the Lord. If he's given you a word for somebody, go give them the word. The enemy's not going to give you a word for somebody. It's time for us to walk in obedience. Obedience. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, what act of faith can I do? God, what act of faith, what works can I put with my faith to show you I'm serious, God? I believe you. I believe you for the thing that looks impossible. I believe you.
Yeah. I want you to ask God that. What can I do, God? Coupled with my faith, because I believe. But tell me what to do along with that belief. Yeah. Yes, so <laughs> In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we should come into this house every week doing whatever we can to attract God to our needs. If it's a step of faith, if it is our worship, if it is crying out, and who cares what anybody thinks? We are desperate to have him. We are desperate for him to move in this church. We are desperate for revival. We are desperate for the prodigals to come home. We are desperate for our families to be saved and our bodies to be healed. And we need to come in these doors and act like a bunch of desperate people and do what we have to do to get God's attention. In the name of Jesus, I am asking. For those who are available right now to gather around Teresa. And I just want you to pray this. And you don't have to worry about the details because God's got them. If you have faith, will you join me? She needs deliverance. It's the only word you need to pray. Deliverance. Yeah. Yeah. Santa.
Yes, every story in the word of God when he came and he delivered. They were never to be the same again. Everything changed. Everything changed. They weren't even recognizable because people said, oh, they've been with the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Ladies, if you could bring yourself over here and we're going to pray and believe. Again, just the word deliverance. The deliverer is here right now. He's in the room. You can go to the very root cause, God. And we're asking you to. To bring deliverance today, God. Never to be the same again. We speak the name of Jesus right now, God, over this mind, over this heart, and asking for deliverance and speaking deliverance in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we speak it, and it is so. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be delivered in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. I speak to you demons of torment. And I command you to get out. Get out. Get out. Every demon of torment, get out in the name of Jesus. I curse you and I command you, be gone. You have no place. 
in this heart, in this mind, in this life. Be gone in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And it is done. You cannot stand against the name. There be a reflection, God, of this. In the name of Jesus, we speak it with the power and the authority that you've given us over all the power of the devil. Thank you. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for deliverance, God. Thank you for deliverance, Jesus. Thank you for deliverance, Jesus. Thank you for deliverance, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We don't have to just read about the stories in the Bible. We have our own. And today we have more. I have a word for you, those whose husbands are not serving the Lord. As I was preparing, the Lord spoke this to me. You need to put some works with your faith and start ironing your husband's shirt for every Sunday. No ifs, ands, or buts. If you want him saved, if you want him sitting in the pew next to you, get up next Sunday and iron him a shirt. And the next Sunday... And the next, until he puts it on and walks in and sits down next to you. Somebody receive it. If you believe it, receive it. At your word, we will do it, God. I will show you that I believe you, God. I will show you, God, that I believe you. I will praise you like I believe you. I will be obedient like I believe you, God. I will act in faith. I will cry out to you. I will show you, God, that I believe you. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I want to say thank you for responding to the word, but actually I think the Lord is saying thank you. Thank you for trusting me enough 
to act a little bit crazy and to get out of your box and to step out in faith. I think God wants to say thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for trusting in me today, for believing me, for acting like you believe me. Trust me, you're going to see the results of today. You're going to see it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I've had, um, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is a little hoarse right now. <clears throat> I've had back pain um, since I was 16 years old. And it would come and go. Sometimes it was really bad. Sometimes it was bearable. I've seen a chiropractor for a long time. It doesn't really help. I just, they ask me how I'm feeling and I say, good. You know, I'm just tired of telling you every time that I'm in here that it still hurts. So what's the point? And a, a few years ago, <coughs> Brother Smith was here and something strange about me that I didn't really understand and I still don't really understand is I, I kind of had a problem with him and I, I never I don't think I've ever expressed this to you but I just I just was unsubmissive to his ministry and and he and I, and I, I went up for prayer for my back and he told me that you will be healed and I can't remember the way he worded it, but it was dancing in, in the front and, and just getting out and just doing it. And up here, you will be dancing back and forth. And he said, and that's when the Lord will heal you. And last week, I had started praying for myself during altar call. The message was so powerful. And, and, and I started praying for my back, and God said, uh-uh. You pray for their needs, and I'll take care of yours. So I know Franny has back pain, and I went and I prayed with her. And I know Sister Amanda and the whole Williams family has some very, very pressing needs. And I went and I prayed with you, and I completely forgot about myself because God said, you take care of them, I'll take care of you. So I did. I started praying for them as if I was praying for myself. And the last time that Brother Smith was here, I... I finally went up to him and I said, you know, Brother Smith, I don't know what it was, but I was very unsubmissive to your ministry. For some reason, I really don't know. I just had an attitude and I knew it. And um, I never understood why. And I told him, I submit to your ministry. I submit to you. I said, I know I have a pastor. I know I have a husband, but I submit to you also. And so today, Sister Burke was, you know, talking about getting out and doing something out of the ordinary, doing something that you're uncomfortable with. And I am not super comfortable dancing in front of people because I'm super uncoordinated. And um, I don't like it wasn't, please, I hope no one took a video because I don't want to see that. And then she talked about dancing. And I, my heart is pounding <laughs> because I know that God is telling me to. But when I picked up Eleanor just five minutes ago, my back didn't hurt. 
I've been in excruciating pain for the last year, and I just don't say anything about it. But, but it didn't hurt to pick up my baby. <laughs> and I just thank God for loving me enough to heal my body. <laughs> and all glory is to you, Jesus. I actually did not realize that's what you were praying for, Janae. But um, I've had pretty debilitating arthritic pain in my lower back. And like when we took the youth to the zoo the next day, my hips could barely hold me up. And I couldn't very walk very well. And I don't really say it a whole lot because, you know, I'm only 28. <laughs> it's kind of weird and it's a little unbelievable. But when I saw Janae go up front, immediately I felt the Lord tell me, you need to bind with her. You need to join her. So I came up here and I bound with her. When she started to dance, I kept feeling like God tell me, join her. Join her. And finally, when I started to dance, my pain just left me. <laughs> and it was gone. And I am believing I am healed completely and I won't be debilitated anymore. <laughs> Won't he do it? Yes. About 20 years ago, I hurt my back at work. And um, I walked like this for three months. Brandon Adamitis said, I bet if I just did this, you'd be okay. And I said, wah! So Dr. Vest wanted to do surgery really bad. He was getting very angry with me. Uh, I went to Dr. Pfeiffer for uh, about a year and a half, and I told the Lord, you know, I don't want surgery. I just need you to heal me. So um, somewhere along that line, I don't know when, God healed me. A few months ago, I had my very first bone density test, and there is no sign that I ever hurt my back. They were telling me, oh, your spine looks nice and normal. You know, I don't know what all they said, but there is no sign that I ever had a back injury. Wow. Why wouldn't we trust him? Oh, he's awesome. Thank God. And Maddie, we're so happy to have you. Student from SIUE, attends uh, Mattoon 